G'day ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Unfiltered Podcast, the day where I've got no gym, so why not spend the day rambling about some shit that happened this week, hey man, how can I not talk about it, fucking Kendrick Lamar released with his new album, Mr. Morrell and the Big Steppers, we gotta get into that shit straight away, so... I want to get into the groove of things a little bit. So let's play some fucking funky West Coast music because I'm on that I'm on that West Coast shit, cuz. I almost forgot about that shit, cuz. Mark ass, trick ass. What's some what's some West Coast slang terms? But I want to start off with some YG. Because man, I believe the West Coast has been overlooked for the past few years. It's always been Atlanta. It's always been Florida. It's always been New York. But I feel like California's back. And hey, if the West Coast had a monarchy, Kendrick would be king and YG would be prince. Here's why. Hey, yo, 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 throw your dubs up for the West Coast one time, cuz. We got heat, smoke, drink, bitches, phones, loose, trays, switches, rides, money, house, boat, notes, uncompromising folks, tweakers on Molly, in the hills, living, glocks, stones, chops for the switch. Welcome back to the show, guys. If you guys are keen on looking for that song that is Black Mass, just type in Black Mass, B-L-A-C-C-M-A-S-S and YG. It's a bloke on YouTube that mashes modern day music with old school instrumentals. Absolutely tremendous work. He does songs with Gunner, Playboy Cardi, and of course, YG. Absolute classic West Side banger. I wish more artists did that nowadays. But anyways, let's get straight to the nitty gritty. Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. Absolutely tremendous work by Kendrick Lamar. No understatement whatsoever. This album to me is a classic i know it's only been since friday since the album came out but i've listened to it around five or six times over now and i still can't get enough of it i mean it's with me when i'm in the gym it's with me when i'm walking out and about it's with me even when i'm just doing chores around the house the album is that good from start to finish classic after classic king kendrick did not disappoint. And I have to admit, I fucking cried on the shit. Like the pussy ass bitch I am. I mean, shit. I mean, Kendrick Lamar has a very, I've got a very emotional attachment towards Kendrick Lamar's music because it feels like Kendrick Lamar helped me grow up 
as in his music's been around my life ever since I was 16 years old because the first time I ever heard Kendrick Lamar was Section 80. Everybody was ranting and raving about Section 80 when it came out. Had to be around 16 years old. I downloaded that shit illegally and the first song I heard from him was Rigor Mortis, you know. And this is rigor mortis and it's gorgeous when you die. I leave recording in a mor- Morpheus, the matrix in my mind. I'm out the orbit, you and Orvin in a matrix in my mind. I'm like, if you the shit, then I decline. I climax when you begin and then I end on cloud nine. Other classics like Poe Man's Dreams. I used to want to see the penitentiary way after elementary. Thought it was cool to look the judge in the face when he sentenced me. I mean, he had a lot of potential during those times. And you can see how much of a fanboy I am of Kendrick as of now. So I had to be around 16 then. and then. Good Kid, Mad City came out, and I still remember the first time I heard that album as well. I was like, what the fuck? Albums could have storylines? I mean, this was the first album that I heard that I, appre- that I appreciated chronologically, as in listening, it, listening to the album from start to finish. And the whole, the whole ordeal with Shireen being a good kid living in a mad city, how you can easily become victim of what's in your surroundings, even though you are a good kid. And there's just, there's so many classics on that album. Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe, um, Money Trees. Money Trees is the perfect place for shade and that's just how I feel. Imagine rock up in them projects when them ladies dig your pockets. We Santa Claus don't miss them stockings. Ba- baking soda, yoda whipping. Ain't no turkey on Thanksgiving. My homeboy just don't know. I just hope the Lord forgive him. Pasta cocaine residue. Every day I'm hustling. What else is a thug to do when you eat cheese from the government? Put a four or five with my daughter, then put the motherfucker out my way, bitch. Got them dogs and I got them beds, just like a parade, bitch. I mean, and I remember I listened to that album with a broken laptop that I accidentally smashed. It was a school laptop. I shattered the screen. So the laptop still worked, but it had no screen. It was just all white. And I had to listen to it. The way I could only look at the screen was by using the monitor that I stole from a security office in a car park. Goes to show where I was in life during those times. I still remember I, I lived in a rundown house. The, the floor underneath me was breaking. Landlords didn't want to do anything about it. House was absolutely filthy. I was in a very dreadful position at the time, but that that album gave me a lot of solace and it gave me a lot of hope. So that was Good Kid, Mad City. And then next up was To Pimp a Butterfly. To Pimp a Butterfly would have been 2015. That's the first ever album I bought for my car, which is the car that I still have now and is the first ever car that I got, which is a 350Z. And I still remember... I illegally downloaded it first because I didn't have Spotify then. I barely even knew what Spotify was or what it was capable of at the time. So I illegally downloaded the album and my brother's not – because me and my brother used to go to work together because we worked for the same company. So I illegally downloaded it and I was like, yo – I won't mention his name, but I was like, let's let's listen to this new album by Kendrick Lamar. And – we, um, as we were listening to it, I was losing my mind while we were driving to work. I was like, what the fuck? This is crazy. All these concepts. What the fuck? And my, my brother's, he isn't into music as much as I am. So he was just like, shut the fuck up, man. What the fuck's wrong with you? It's just music. And I was like, man, you just don't understand. 
And then I listened to it from from start to finish. And the first time I heard Mortal Man, I remember hearing Tupac's voice at the end. I was like, Kendrick's talking to Tupac. This is insane. And that was a tremendous piece of work as well to Pimp a Butterfly. First ever album I bought with the first ever car that I got. That was one stage in my life. Then Damn comes out. Um, I still remember we were on a camping trip with my family. And I remember telling my niece and nephew, Zayn Liv, shout out to Zayn Liv. You guys had my back during that time. But I was like, if anybody asks where I am, just tell them that I'm in the tent listening to Kendrick Lamar and tell them not to disturb me. And as I was listening to it, I can hear them uh, outside of the tent going, don't disturb Uncle Phil. He's, um, he's listening to Kendrick Lamar's album, his latest album. So shout out to YouTube, man. You really had my back during that time. And again, Dan was another classic album. Um, dun, dun, nobody pray for me. Dun, dun, it been all day for me. Dun, dun, yeah, yeah. I remember syrup sandwiches and crumb allowances. What's another song from um, Dan? Loyalty, loyalty, loyalty. Uh, what's another good song from Dan? Shit. Throw a steak off the ark for a pool for the sharks. Here, take. Leave him in the wilderness with a sworn nemesis. He'll make it. Take his gratitude from him. I better show you some. Whoa. Kendrick is just an absolute genius. Ooh, I don't need more than that. Girl, I respect the cat. I promise just a touch. Let me put the head in. If it's okay. She said it's okay. <laughs> He's just, Kendrick Lamar is something else. But then this album, man, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. Because my first reaction to seeing the album appear on my phone, I was thinking, okay, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. Hold on, wait a minute. This is Kodak Black's nickname. I know that Kodak Black always calls himself the Big Stepper. So does that mean Kodak Black's on the album? This is too good to be true. Because my top three artists of all times is Tupac, Kendrick Lamar, and Kodak Black. So I scroll down the track list and I see this song, Silent Hill, Kendrick Lamar featuring Kodak Black. And I was at the at work at the time and I literally looked at it and went, like I was damn shocked and mortified at something I saw on the screen. And mind you, that song does not disappoint. It's probably my favorite song on the album, but it's hard to really pick a favorite song from the album. But I remember just um, listening to it from start to finish. And the reason why I cried listening to the album, because it made me realize that I grew up with Kendrick Lamar. He taught me morals. He taught me principles as a kid that had no idea what was going on with his life, that struggled through homelessness, that struggled from a broken family, that struggled from um, trying to live off Centrelink, from from uh, bloody living in an abandoned house. I mean, Kendrick Lamar's music played a big theme in my life because even though I didn't know him personally, he still helped me through a lot of shit that I was going through throughout my life. And I was crying because it made me look at the situation I'm in now when this album came out. I mean, I went from homeless to living in my own home. 
I went from not having the ability to get anything, not even food, to getting my own groceries every Sunday and having a beautiful partner that I can confide with and love and I don't know, man. And all of the, all all of those thoughts coming into my mind and knowing where I am, where when this album came out, it, it brought a tear to my eye, I'll admit. But the album does not did not disappoint whatsoever, man. I mean, I'm gonna pick up my phone now because I've listened to it around six times over now, from start to finish as well. I'm not I'm not nitpicking any of the songs. I'm everything I do from cleaning the house, doing chores, I'm listening to it in my earphones, to doing puzzles, I'm listening to it with my headphones, to going to the gym, I'm listening it to it with my earphones again while I'm at work I'm listening to it with my earphones and I still can't get enough I mean what did I say to my I said this to my mate but the way I summed up my my love for the album was this hold on just wait a sec I was like, but from my perspective so far, one of the greatest pieces of art in hip-hop history, tremendously creative, very prevalent with the times we're living in, has some potential club bangers, has an overall concept that is on par with every track, which is incredibly difficult to do nowadays, may be too soon to say, but I'd say this is a future classic. That's how I feel about it, man. I mean, the album did not disappoint. King Kendrick did not disappoint. Every single song, United in Grief. I mean, I'm, I remember like, yeah, as I said, we I struggled with so many things in my life, but listening to Kendrick Lamar's music ma- made me feel like I was united in grief with what he was going through and what was going around with his life. It made me relate to his struggle. N95, Worldwide Steppers. I think N95, is that the one? Is take off the, take off the jewelry, take off the blah, blah, take off the thing. Where you, where you, if you strip anybody off of anything material, whether it be money, clothes, jewelry, what do you have? They're fucking ugly. Well, that depends on who you're talking to, but and and I think a lot of that spiritual perspective is the theme of Eckhart Tolle throughout the entire album, who's a philosopher, and. I've been introduced to Eckhart Tolle by the likes of Oprah Winfrey because I remember her talking about Eckhart Tolle a lot. So if you want to get into, if you want to get more into what Kendrick Lamar is talking about, then pick up a book by Eckhart Tolle because he's actually got some pretty good books out there. But yeah, man, Father Time, bloody hell, the, the songs, the songs about daddy issues. That's some shit that I've struggled with. All my life, growing up in a um, a single mother household, being extremely competitive because of it. I mean, and a lot of artists try to get on the, um, get onto the spiritual side of music, but a lot of the times you can't do it without seeming corny. Kendrick Lamar interweaves everything so well to the point where it can be. Uh, it could be a bop, you can bop your head to it, and you can learn something from it, which is incredibly um, rare in finding an artist. We cry together, oh my goodness. I remember the first time I heard that, I was playing basketball with a co-worker, and he was like, dude, why do you keep on just standing there and staring out into space? And I was like, man, this song, it, this song is just too crazy. I'm listening to that new Kendrick Lamar. This shit made me sit down and contemplate 
I stopped playing basketball. I just dropped the ball and sat down just to listen to the song. I was like, this song needs my full attention. Purple Hearts, you got bloody Ghost Face Killer on it. Bloody hell. One of the greatest rappers in Wu-Tang. I'd say that my favorite's ODB and with Summer Walker on it as well. Count me out. Don't motherfucking... The way he raps about being counted out and that's the way he gets his energy from it. Crown, Silent Hill again, Kendrick Lamar and Kodak Black, Savior Auntie Diaries. I mean, that's a very complex... Uh, it's a very complex theme that's very prevalent within our generation of understanding the transgender and the LGBTQ plus community. The way he articulates his creativity with that song is so beyond comprehension that I was like, what the hell? How the hell did he just do that? If any rapper tried to rap about the LGBTQ plus community, they would get destroyed. I mean... Kendrick Lamar's got that level of intellect and creativity to the point where he can, as I said, interweave everything from the instrumentals to his life experiences to rhyme scheme to everything and really convey his ideas at such a high level of creativity. Mr. Morale. I forgot, I forgot what Mr. Morale's about, but I remember there was a song about... Um, Future may future might have told you to um, get a money counter, but he is not your savior. And then he says something like, um, "Kendrick Kendrick Lamar may have may have made you think of it, but he is not your savior." That's like the idea of stop. Like to, that's Kendrick Lamar saying, "Stop idolizing people so much. They're not your savior because if anything, they may be just as wicked as you." Mother, Sober, another bloody iconic song concerning the black struggle. Mirror, I mean, this this entire album just blew me away, man. And to me, again, it's a future classic. Because Kendrick, you got to think about it, man. Kendrick Lamar stayed away from the hip-hop scene and everything in general for the past six years. I mean... From the past six years that was gone, I, things that happened were like Nipsey Hussle's death. He was nowhere to be found when Nipsey Hussle died. No opinions, no nothing. When Tentacion died, no opinions, no nothing. The whole George Floyd incident in 2020, no opinions, no nothing. Jussie Smollett, no opinions, no nothing. Kobe Bryant's death, I thought he would be the bloody, the first person to be speaking on it. Again, he was nowhere to be found. And then it feels like the six-year hiatus was worth the wait because this album was pretty much six years of Kendrick Lamar's experiences condensed and, and compacted into this sonic piece of genius. I don't know how to I don't know how to word it, but it it was worth the wait, man. And he touched on everything that was going on in the past six years. From Justice Smollett, OJ Simpson, the whole Will Smith thing, Kobe Bryant, Nipsey Hussle. I mean, even even with the Heart Part Four, that shit was amazing. I was I was just watching that last night, even after the album was released. Because if you're if you're a fan of Kendrick, you know that whenever he drops a song called The Heart, he's got 
He's got five of them. The, the heart part one, I think that was before overly dedicated. The heart part two would have been before section 80. The heart part three would have been before um, Good Kid, Mad City. The heart part four would have been before Dam. And the heart part five was, of course, before Mr. Morrell and the Big Steppers. And um, I don't know, when, when The Heart Drops by Kendrick, it's like you, you know when shit is about to go down. It's the ripple before the tidal wave. That's what it essentially is. And, he, yeah, he, he did everything in such a genius way that it's beyond comprehension. But other than that, man, I'm over talking about it. It's been like 20 minutes of me talking about Kendrick. And I have to say it's a future classic. And I think Kendrick Lamar is going to be the most played artist. I'm calling it my most played artist this year. Last year was um, Young Thug. The year before that, it was Young Thug again. But this year, it's probably going to go to Kendrick because I cannot get enough of this album and I don't see myself getting over it anytime soon. And as for rankings, I'd say that Good Kid Mad City for me is still number one. I don't know. Number two is probably Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. Number three, To Pimp a Butterfly. Number four, Damn. Number five, Section 80. But it's just a... It's a tremendous piece of work, man. And I've listened to it enough to really familiarize with the concepts. But okay, enough of that. Let's get on some other shit that's been going on in my life. Man, I need to grow the fuck up, man. I've been way too addicted to My Hero Academia. Because ever since I finished the series, man, I've been trying to find everything my Hero Academia. I, I even had a conversation with an individual and I was like, yeah, do you watch My Hero Academia? And he was like, yeah, I think it's a bit too childish for me. And I can see where he's coming from because it's a bunch of high, high school students in a hero school. But I felt that there's a lot more symbolism behind My Hero Academia that people overlook or don't appreciate. But yeah, ever since I finished watching the series i mean i've been trying to look for everything my hero academia from the merchandise to bloody the manga books because i just think that the anime is so awesome both symbolically and aesthetically so ever since i ever since i finished the series i managed to finally find a all might uh funko pop which took me forever to find until I got into Ronin Games out in Woden. And mind you, that Ronin Games store in Woden, if you want to look for anything comics, anything anime, it will bloody blow your expectations away, man. It's got everything there. Every rare Funko Pop, every comic, every comic book for Warhammer, every rare Pokemon card. It's for the nerds, man. So for my nerds out there, if you're looking for anything out in Canberra, that's um, anime or comic books or Warhammer. Go to Ronin Games out in Woden. But yeah, I finally found the All Might Funko Pop, and uh, I had to I had to go behind the counter because it's a very hard Funko Pop to find. And she was like, "Oh yeah, we got it here." And they also had a giant one as well, which blew my mind even more. And she was like, "Oh, but come around the corner here." We've got, uh, we've got this All Might figure here. And then she led me to the front window and then boom, it's this giant All Might action figure with his hand 
directed upwards, standing there triumphantly, and she was it was selling for 150 bucks. Airbrushed, made by a modeling academy, and I was thinking to myself, I have to get this shit. And I got it. After a couple of minutes of contemplation, I was like, man, it's the last one that they have. I have to get it. But I've been obsessing over My Hero Academia like a damn child. But I think it's more from how much I can relate to it on a symbolic level. I mean, when you look at All Might, he's this big macho character, always smiling, always smiling through the adversity, working on being number one, always working on his character and showing that moral principle about no matter what you go through, always go through it smiling. Even if it's even if you're fighting the most treacherous villain to bloody saving a cat out of the tree, always show a smile no matter what you're going through. But the reality behind All Might is that behind closed doors, he's actually this skinny, emaciated individual that probably couldn't put up a fight with anyone. I think that's very powerful symbolism, man. In public, when he's doing his job, he's always got a smile on his face and he's always number one. At the end of the day, he's like the Michael Jordan of the My Hero Academia anime. But behind closed doors, skinny, emaciated individual. And the symbolism behind that is no matter what you're passionate about, whether if it's uh, uh, your relationships that you've got with your family, whether if it's um, your job, anything, any avenue in life, even if you're not feeling up to par with it, even on the inside, you're not that powerful. You always got to show up with a smile and you always got to show up doing your best. That's what I loved about the anime, man. Now I've got everything All Might. I've got the damn $150 airbrushed action figure. I've got the um, the Funko Pop of All Might. And I've also got a damn All Might water bottle. Because, man, again, I felt like a child. Because we went to uh, a Zing store in this area called Gungalan here in Canberra. And they had all of this My Hero Academia merch. And then on the bottom, I see this dusty um, All Might water bottle. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I got to get that. And then my missus is like, no, don't get it. You're wasting your money because the shit was 25 bucks. Plus, it was dusted. It was the last one they had left. So I managed to get $3 off the original price. But she was like, no, don't get it. You're wasting your money. But I was like, no. Because the gym is a big theme in my life. I go to the gym five days a week. Uh, Every moment outside of work, I'm either in the gym or I'm in my studio writing. So having that there in the gym, it it almost, um, it empowers me in terms of my mindset. It's like whenever I'm feeling tired, whenever I'm feeling weak and I'm at the gym and then I see that water bottle there of... All Might just standing there triumphantly. I'm like, man, what the fuck would All Might do? All Might would power. All Might would power through this shit, and that's the kind of symbolism that I'm working with when I'm looking at all of this um All Might shit, man. But then again, that's the child in me. I don't think that's something I'd be able to get rid of even in the future because All Might serves as a very big inspiration to me. But besides that, my missus just gifted me a Endeavor 
uh, Funko Pop that's sitting here. It's probably the best looking Funko Pop that I have. It looks absolutely sick. Flames coming from his eyes. He's got a flame beard, flame mustache. Uh, I got a Funko Pop of Mirio Tagata. He's another character that I admire a lot because he plays a lot of emphasis into humor. He always makes sure that even in the most uh, difficult situations to always have a sense of humor about it. Um, who else? I've got Kachan. Kachan is one of my other favorite characters. Out of the class 1As, he probably serves as my favorite ca- character besides um, All Might because he's just he's got a very uh, direct attitude towards accomplishing things. And if you doubt him in any way, he's going to show you that um, he's going to go beyond your expectations. And that's what I love about Kachan. But yeah, man, it's the childhood in me. It's the imagination that I have. And I think that's something that tends to go away as we grow older. When you, as you get older, you begin to get different responsibilities like your work, your, uh, maybe your family. You might even end up having children. You might, um, you got certain bills to pay. You got car bills to pay. Things that come with adulthood responsibility. But I don't think we should ever forget the fact that at one point in life we were children it took the smallest things for us to be happy and sometimes a lot of us lose happiness due to adulthood due to due to the responsibilities we have but now nah, man never get rid of that childhood inside of you now let's get into this segment that i'd like to call questions from quora cuz quora is a very interesting place for very philosophical questions and even questions that deal with just common trivialities of life. So let's see what we can find here on Quora. Okay, now we open up Quora. Now let's see what we got here. This is by Infallible Curiosity. Right now I'm looking at a picture of a chick that seems like she is being hung with incredibly big pants. They look like MC Hammer pants. Okay. Let's see. Dear reader, there is an image at the end that can hurt your sensitivity. <laughs> Lepa Radic, or Radic was a 17-year-old Bosnian teenager who was executed for shooting at the Nazis during World War II. In her last minutes of life, they offered to spare her life in exchange for the names of her accomplices. accomplices. She refused, saying, I am not a traitor to my people. Those whom you will make themselves known when they have succeeded in annihilating all evildoers. Every last one of them. Wait. Yeah, that's good, man. Standing on your principles. Not many people could do that. I mean, imagine if Takashi 69 got put in that situation if he was about to get hung. Nah, blood. That was going to kill me. Hung, 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 hung. <laughs> You'll fucking tell everybody. It was him. It was him. It was him. Let me go. But fuck that, man. I feel like I would stand in, in on my principles if it came to that situation as well. But I wouldn't say anything epic like that. If if I had a bloody Bosnian fella, you you need to tell me all your accomplices. I, I'm not going to be like, I stand with my people. There is no way I will ever betray my people. I'll just be like, nah, man. I don't think, nah. That's not good. I don't think I'm going to do that. Whoa. And I'm looking at the picture now. And she is hung. Talk about standing on your principles, man. That's a life of honor. 
17 years old. She had the courage to take her own life, to um, to save all the people that she was accomplices with. Fuck, that's a hard word to say. The girl, barely 17 years old, was sentenced to the noose. I would like this to be known. This girl deserves that her story be told, thus without filters, so that they can see that she was a, she was afraid of death, yes, but she was so brave that she preferred to be hanged before betraying her compatriots. I mean, I feel like there's certain people out there that are very sturdy in terms of their character and the things that they value, and then there's people that aren't. I mean, 6 nines an example, shit. If if he had to risk his own life in order to save his accomplices, I do not think he will do that. He will be like, nah, get the ticky oh, get the put the blicky oh, cut blicky oh, how to put the kitty oh. All right, let's see. I know if I was put in that situation, I'd just be like, nah, I don't want to do that. Just kill me. I wouldn't say anything epic. It's like, bro, I will not risk the life of my compatriots. Okay, let's see what else there is. I was pulled over today for speeding. The officer did not know me, nor did I know him. But we showed one another a mutual display of respect in our interaction. He was doing his job, and I had made a mistake in trying to hurry home to get started moving that led to our paths crossing. He ran my information, and in the end, we talked about how our individual days were going and the situations and circumstances within our society that have led to interactions such as he and I's to play out more negatively, some even deadly than ours. Then we talked about the situation that led him to pulling me over. In the end, we both thanked each other for our mutual displays of respect and agreed to take a selfie together to help tell our story. That's very good. And the driver is a black man, and the policeman is standing out there with this very silly-looking grin on his face. Although, I'm glad that society has advanced to this level. And I think doing stuff like this should be pushed more. Policemen showing a good example and good interactions with civilians breaking the law. Good on you, black fella, and good on you, white fella. We can go together as one like a yin-yang. Okay, what else is there? Fuck, I'm sleepy, man. I have to admit, I had a pretty tiresome week, and I did a lot of lifting, and I'm sleepy-deepy. But, okay, a journalist asks Cristiano Ronaldo, why does your mother still live with you? Why don't you build her a house? Cristiano replies, my mother raised me, and she dedicated her life for me. She would go to sleep hungry just she would go to sleep hungry just to let me eat. We had no money at all. She worked seven days a week and nights as a maid to buy my first shoes so I could be a player. All my success is dedicated to her, and because of her, and as long as she has a life, she will always be by my side. She has everything I can give. She's my refuge and my greatest gift. That's a sweet thing, man. I mean, a lot of the times, I don't know how often the story plays out like a fairy tale ending, but man, I wish I had a mum like that. Instead, I just got neglected. I had to get passed around to everyone, man. 
as a kid growing up, it was like, yo, do you want Phil? Nah, I don't want Phil. He just said he want Phil. Nah, I don't want Phil. And yeah, it's a big ups to the mother that are like that, that are willing to drop everything for their children. But I can't relate to that. I wish I could. But oh well, shit happens. Sometimes the bad things that happen to us earlier in life make everything later in life much easier. Because I know I've dealt with my fair share of shit growing up as a kid and having to see the most toxic things that individuals can enact. I mean, not to the extent of fucking genocide or anything, but betrayal, um, people saying shit about other people, uh, ordeals concerning money. And I've already been through all of the bullshit that humans do, at least in the Western, at least in Western society. So it just makes everything these days easier. I'm not that surprised when I'm when I'd be betrayed. I'm not surprised when I'd see people be negative. I'm not surprised when um, certain people treat me in an ill manner because I've already dealt with that shit. Even as a kid. But other than that, man, big ups to the mothers out there that are willing to drop everything for their children. Because that's the shit I can't relate to, man. I got neglected. Okay, another question here. Why did Ben Simmons get booed so much from the 76ers fans? Oh my gosh, man. Ben Simmons sucks, dude. I mean, I had a lot of uh anticipation i had a lot of excitement for what ben simmons had to bring as an nba player because i remember as a rookie he was gunning it getting all these triple doubles achieving all of these statistics that have never been seen before by a rookie and then all of a sudden i think a lot of the pressure from social media got to him and that's one of the negative effects of social media of course it's there to connect people it um you can find people that you haven't seen in years and strike up conversations with them. It even spawned certain relationships. But especially for famous people, there's definitely that dark side of social media where if you look at it too much, even if you miss one or two games, there's always going to be accounts out there with no faces following 500 people with zero posts and zero followers trolling you saying you're the worst person you're doing this and that and then you get people like Stephen Stephen A Smith who well to his to his um justification I do believe what Stephen A Smith was right maybe not the like the worst athlete of all times but still I mean you got to show up for your job and there there was rumors about him um, having his phone on him in his pocket at 76ers trainings. And it felt like when you when you portray a basketball team that has to do with a certain city, it's almost as if you're betraying an entire city. So in a sense, it was like Ben Simmons was betraying the entire population of Philadelphia. When he left, he started spitting the dummy in training. And on top of that, everything that he gets on Instagram and social media, it's almost like social media has the ability now to beat down certain players like Ben Simmons, Kyrie Irving. There's plenty of examples of it. But yeah, man, 
On to the next one. Is Michael Jordan? Nah, enough b-ball. What is an example that love can last a lifetime? All right, let's look at this. Deborah and Hugh Jackman have been married since 1996 and have two adopted children, Oscar, 21, and Ava, 16. Very nice names. The couple met backstage on the Australian series Corelli and have been together ever since. Haha, <laughs> look at fucking Hugh Jackman. What a wholesome looking, handsome Australian man. And his wife, I'll admit, isn't much of a looker. She is not a looker at all. She looks like um one of those just typical Aussie chicks that you would see at Woolies getting groceries or something. She doesn't seem like she is physically anything special, but I don't know, man. As you get older, you, you you stop looking at people's physical aspects less and start to look at people more for who they are. But And here it continues saying, that's why Hugh Jackman, one of the most admired and consecrated actors in Hollywood, posted an image on his Instagram to celebrate the 26th anniversary of his man- marriage to Deborah Lee Furness. Her name is Furness. Last name's Furness. Fucking hell. Burning hot. In the post, the X-Men star made an emotional declaration of love for the actress, saying how much she lights up his life, you mean, not her life. That's good, man. That's pure love. Something that's incredibly rare these days. Because people, I don't know if it's synonymous with my generation, but I think a lot of the times people judge an entire individual's humanity with their Instagram or Facebook page. So people look at people like their products. What do they have to offer? What are the skills that they have? What, how much money do they make? And they just swipe left, swipe right, look at this different account, look at this different account. And humans these days are treated more like products rather than interpersonal connections and something that is of the metaphysical realm. It's... It, it's um. A lot of that's gone, and to see a relationship that lasts 26 years, I mean, I'm surrounded by siblings. I've got six siblings. Um, five of them have, or is it four of them have got relationships that have been over 15 years. One of them hasn't succeeded that. But still, being surrounded by that and seeing true love is a beautiful thing to see. I really like seeing that, man. Good on you, Hugh Jackman. And especially some somebody as famous as you and as handsome as you to um, stay committed to one woman for 26 years. But at the end of the day, who knows? You could have been cheating in the background. Um, it, it goes to show that true love still exists. And I hope to achieve that with my partner right now. Okay. What's next? Last one. Let's go for the last one, man. And then I'm out of here. Okay. Are bystanders who film rather than intervene actual helpful? That's a very good question. Are bystanders who film rather than intervene actually helpful? You ever see those fucking those ads um to to help starving children in Africa and it's like an anorexic child with flies on their face and I'm watching those flies on that kid's face and I'm thinking, bro, smack that fly because that fly is looks very irritating. But those children just must be so used to it. Anyways, let's have a look. If anything, man, I, I really, I'd always wish I could save the world. 
it it always it always saddens me knowing that there's one part of this world that is suffering to the extent of starvation. They've got bloody vultures creep, creeping around starving children. They've even in my um even in my homeland of the Philippines, people are living in huts. Children are raised in conditions where they're pretty much born with diseases. It's there's a part of this world that is very treacherous and very dark, and it sucks that I can't do anything about it. I'll, I'll, I'm going to make a pledge now that I'm eventually going to do something for people like this. I mean, I'm doing things right now for people that are suffering from multiple sclerosis by doing a run um, to pay for to contribute to the cause of multiple sclerosis and help those who suffer from multiple sclerosis, but I want to do something on a bigger scale. But let's get to this question, man. Are bystanders who film rather than intervene actually helpful? Okay. The photographer Kevin Carter was ridiculed for taking this photo instead of trying to do something. He took lots of photos like this. Okay. So one is an African kid like bent over anorexic, malnutrition, and a vulture is standing right by this kid. Fucking sad, man. And now there's one... There's one photo of an African kid shoving his face in what it looks like a cow's butthole for some reason. I don't know what the fuck, but he won the Pulitzer Prize for his work. And then in 1994, he committed suicide. He could no longer bear the images, the events, and the ridicule he received. Why didn't you do something, people said. He was doing something. He was making you aware of things you don't want to know about. Oh, man. That's some rough shit. I'd say that he would have been doing something about it, man. Making us aware of it. I mean... As much as we would like to save the world, there's not much we could do about it. I can make a podcast about what people suffered, what people suffered during the Rwandan genocide or the rape of Nanking or the people that suffered through um, Nazism and the Auschwitz camp or any concentration camp that happened within Nazi Germany. We could, there's nothing that we could directly do um, there's nothing that we could directly do about it. I mean I could share news about Ukraine, but there's nothing we could really do about it. And yeah, man, as the question goes, are bystanders who film rather than intervene actually helpful? Yeah, they are. That's the power of journalism. They're the ones that are willing to go into the most uh, decrepit places, uh, war-torn places, places in Africa where children are starving, places in the Philippines where people are starving, third world countries, um, war-torn countries, and they're willing to go go into these fields in order to show the general public of what people have to go through. Of course, they're actually helpful, man. And who knows? Behind that, they're probably contributing more money than any of us ever would. Shit. I mean, we, we, we don't even have the guts to go to these places. That's why journalism is important because, of course, journalism got watered down with how much junk we get in the news, but there are actual real journalists out there that show real images of some of the most 
smallest crevices on earth that nobody's willing to go to. But yeah, man. Of course. Hold up. Mrs. is getting... I need a buzz in my missus. I'll be right back. Okay, guys. That does it for today's or this week's episode of the Unfiltered Podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Next episode that is coming out is on Thursday. Uh, another episode of Bookworm and I'll be covering... What's that book called again? Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport, part two. It's going to be the last part, and you're definitely going to learn something from it. So I recommend you guys to peep that episode when it comes out on Thursday. Peace. I'm out of here.